Welcome to Aura Talks. Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us on Aura Talks again. We are at episode two, and I'm extremely pleased today to have with me as a guest, Jonas, my dear friend and partner in crime. He's been with me on the Aura journey uh, on this project since day one. So I couldn't think of anyone else to have a conversation with regarding the background of Aura and how it's developed over time. So Jonas, you want to give us a short introduction? Well, yeah, sure. Um, so thank you for having me. It's always good to talk to Danby, my dear friend and partner. In um, so introduction, yes, I should not get dragged. So yes, I'm Jonas. I think some of you know me. Some of you might not know me. Um, I live in Korea. I like to call myself Hanganam, which is uh, for those who speak Korean. You know, so um, I'm from Ghana and uh, I've been here for like six years, going to seven years now. And I love Korea. So that's why, you know, me and Dambi are sort of good friends. Okay. So thank you for that short introduction. Um, I always have this joke that Jonas is an African man with a Korean soul. I think that's one of the reasons why we get along so well. But let's start um, on the timeline at BIEN 2019. Um, that's the, one of the second times we met. And we went to Hyderabad where there was the World Basic Income Congress. And we spent, I think, three to four days, I'm talking about from 9 to 7 p.m., talking, hearing, and discussing UBI, Universal Basic Income. And it was a very transform transformative time for us because we got a many different perspectives on UBI. And I think to towards the end of that Congress, we both had this feeling, okay, I think UBI in its essence is great, but we definitely need to switch it up, especially when it comes to incorporating FSM from Science Walden and also introducing a new virtual currency in Oracle. So that's where we began. But before we go into the aura, I really would like to ask Jonas, who's been at Science Walden for many years. Um, he's temporarily on leave. But what is Science Walden, Jonas? Oh, that's a... Uh... That's a, a really deep question because, you know, Science Warden has a lot of layers. <laughs> but um, Science Warden is essentially a convergence project, right? And so the beginnings, well, if we want to talk about the, the, the roots of Science Warden, it comes from two books, right? And so B.F. Skinner and Henry David Thoreau. So Henry David Thoreau wrote this book called, um, you know, Walden where the name comes from <laughs> and i forgot that for a minute um from science Warden. but anyways so bf bf i mean henry david thoreau wrote this book walden where basically he's advocating for you know a nature-centric life you know he wants people to go back to living with nature because at that time you know there was the you know the industrial revolution and they were canned out trees they were building all these railroads and he's like, man, we really need to think about how we're damaging the environment and we need to go back and connect to our roots. And, you know, Walden 2, which is from B.F. Skinner, advocates for, you know, science's involvement in creating a better life. Now, some people consider that book a dystopia, but, you know, I think it, it's played a lot of, of it's, it's played a really big role in, you know, the development of science and, you know, psychology and sociology. And so basically what Science Warden is, is taking these two ideas of like a nature-centric life where, you know, people have to really connect to nature and understand that we're doing so many things wrong at this point with climate change and all these other things. And also looking at how science can help us create the society that we want to see. Because, of course, 
there were a lot of problems, right? Yeah. And so one of um, Science Warden's, you know, let's say inventions, or one of the, the ideas that we've come up with to tackle many of these issues in the world is FSM, which is basically tackling, you know, the idea of money. And so that's where, you know, the whole idea of FSM comes in. All right. Um, Jonas, um, thank you for that very thorough introduction on, FS, um, on, on Science Walden. I would like to read a short excerpt that B, our previous guest from episode one, wrote about Science Walden um, and also about thesis standard money, FSM. So he wrote, the Science Walden Institute is based on the application of sciences to the value of community, eth ethical and ecological living. The vision is for a way forward out of the current evolutionary crisis where three-fourths of the global population is endangered by deprivation. Currently, only 25% of the human family is relatively well-off. Giving value to what is produced by every human being but rejected as waste, aka feces, shifts the paradigm for a value that can provide a basic income if the concept also incorporates other commodities also considered waste, surplus, free, underutilized, or unusable. So this is kind of the premise of, of FSM and Science Walden. So I also would like to take one more minute to write, read a short excerpt that uh, Professor Joe, the um, head of Science Walden Center, wrote on Science Walden being a new movement forward. So he wrote, the economic crash of 2008 resulted in much discussion worldwide about the basis for our ailing and failing economic systems. I'm not a politician or a street activist, but I'm an engineer, a maker and shaper of things. So I choose to make my attempts through this lens. I wanted to look again, not just at the ideas of alternative currencies and modes of local exchange trading system, let's, but at the very basis of money as a signifier. I felt that the creation of a new form of currency of exchange, a virtual currency, based not on an activistic desire to create wealth, but from a basis in altruism. It is clear in here in Korea and across the globe that threat and the language of shock have failed almost entirely to change behavior. I wanted, to, I wanted instead to design a system that could encourage collectivism as a movement for change. In recent times, money and the acquisition of money has become, it seems, an end in itself rather than a signifier of value. For many, this has undermined our belief in money. So perhaps it's no surprise that at the same time, democracies have also been called into question. And one more excerpt. When money becomes a primary signifier and driver for our lives, as it ultimately does within any capitalistic society, we will tend to make choices based not on the health of our neighbors, friends and family, or about the health of our planet, but solely in monetary terms. It's cheaper to purchase fossil fuel energy rather than renewable energy. It is cheaper to purchase a car with a combustion engine than one powered by renewable electricity. It is cheaper to purchase mass-produced food of poor quality and with questionable environmental credentials than food grown organically or with responsibility to the soil and the planet. So this text, which uh, Professor Cho sent out to the entire team at the end of the year, it was definitely a boost of motivation for, uh, I think, Jonas and me, because we've been working on this project for quite a while. And I think you reach a point where you feel semi burnt out. It's the end of a year. It's the beginning of a new one. You're thinking, oh, my God, I need a break. I need to get a distance. And for me, reading this text really um, helped me to, yeah, just realize, okay, what it is we're trying to do. Very uplifting. Yeah. Thank you, Professor Cho. Um, 
Jonas, could you just dive into FSM, which stands for Fees and Standard Money? Because we're going to get into, uh, as the episode progresses, we're going to talk more about the Aura. But FSM is the major inspiration for Aura. So break it down. Yeah. And so, I mean, FSM, which is short for Fees and Standard Money, right, is basically this um, concept that's supposed to help us to reimagine what money really is. I think um, if, you, if you listen to what Professor Cho you know, actually sent out, you realize that there are systemic issues with our economy and how we think about money. Like money has become something that's scarce and it, it feels like you, know, you need to always work to make money. You need to always be in a constant search. There's never enough of it. <laughs> but then you know, when you look around, it's like we live in abundance. You know, there's like so much around us in the world, right? There's like trees, there's food, there's so much. And if we could just share more, if we could just, you know, be more collective, then probably, you know, all these problems that we have with poverty, you know, like economic inequality, all these things could have been solved. And so basically, I think what this whole thing started at looking at what around us has value and, you know, is abundant. And so then the first idea was, oh, feces, you know, because Feces has intrinsic value. You can, in a sense, because you can use it to make, you know, energy. You can use it as fertilizer for your crops. And so it's like, this is great. And there's so much of it. Why don't we use it as a basis for, you know, a new monetary system, right? One that everybody can participate in because everybody, in a sense, produces feces every single day. Well, maybe give or take you know <laughs> uh, but, you know um so that was the whole idea behind feces standard money right to create this new um currency which is not supposed to you know uproot whatever currencies we have but to serve as a complement right um in this world to help us to share more so everybody can participate in this new economic system and so basically that is you know the the philosophy of fsm Exactly. Just to paraphrase and to knock it down. Oh, first of all, for people who don't understand or not familiar with the term feces, it means poo, where more oh, crassly put shit. Because some people don't, they're not familiar with this kind of scientific oh, lingo. So yeah, let's just break it down into the really nitty gritty, like it's, it's shit. True. For everyone who understands, it's poo. It's shit money. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's shit money. Exactly. Um, but why, why feces? For me personally, what I was so fascinated with was Pooing, going to the bathroom, is something that every living being does. It's not only exclusive to humans, but also to animals, right? So I thought that was so powerful that every person or every entity or every existing being um, has to do this process. And by um, and to be rewarded for pooing, it's something that I think no one has ever thought of. So yeah, so one of the um, members of the Korean Pavilion in Orville read this article that was published on Science Worlded and FSM in Korea, and that's how the bridge was built. So one of the members, shout out to my dear mother, Hei Jong, um, okay. she's one of the coordinators at the Korean Pavilion. She read, reached out to Professor Cho and his team, and that's how this bridge was built, right? So then our first task was to understand, okay, is there interest in the community about FSN, about um, like creating a new type of universal basic income? So that's where we started. Um, so I think right now, Jonas, we can move on to the mechanisms of the Aura slash FSN because I think they have these same mechanisms, right? As if there's no, I mean, there are maybe some philosophical discrepancies between the two, 
but the essence how it works, the functionalities are the same. So let's break it down. Number one, what do we have? Well, so first of all, everybody gets 10, whether Aura or, you know, Google. So yeah. for those who also don't know, um, Google and Aura are basically the same thing. They're just from one parent, but just different names. Different. <laughs> um, you know, and so Google is basically the unit of account of FSM and Aura is Aura. You know? Aura is like the unit of account for, let's say, circular basic income. For, like, for yeah. like circular basic income, yeah. essentially. Um, and so on this platform, usually what happens is everybody who signs up receives 10 credits, which we can say Aura or Google daily. And out of this 10, you have to share three with other people on the network. You can decide to share that three among three people, 10 people, 100 people. That's your choice. Yeah. And also your Google depreciate or your Google or your Aura depreciates by 7% daily. And basically, this is, you know, um, a system that's been put, put in place to, you know, incentivize spending and also to decentivize hoarding because we yeah. know how some people are. We believe that once it's abundant, you can spend <laughs> it as much as you like. And so if you also don't need it, then you lose it. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, great. So we have these three pillars. We have the unconditional daily endowment, we have the daily depreciation, and the unconditional sharing, right? So again, to break it down, the reason why we have these 10 auras as unconditional endowment um, is because we want to manifest the vision of universal basic income, which is based on the idea a human should be given help or certain means to cover their needs or the fact that they're just human, not for working, not for because they're poor, not because they're, um, let's say, ill. So it was that. So this was definitely one of the reasons why we felt like this was a form or an offshoot of universal basic income. And second, daily depreciation. Can you just like uh, um, elaborate on why 7%? Because I well, think this is a... Well, 7% was, it was an arbitrary number. But when we do the math, what happens is that at the end of the month, you know, you lose all your goal from that particular month. And so the yeah. whole point of it was because people are very used to the whole, to the concept of, you know, monthly salary. And yeah. so you can think of it like that, that at the end of every month, whatever you, you're given depreciates because exactly. you know, it just works out like that. But um, yeah, I think exactly. at the end of it, it doesn't really matter. The whole idea of, because we have some questions of like, why 7%, why not 8%, why not? <laughs> why not, not you know, it's not really about that. The whole idea is really to encourage people to look at money different, you exactly. know, and not feel like they exactly. need to hold on. Yeah. And that brings us to the next point again, unconditional sharing. And I think one important note to make here is that this is all operating on a virtual platform. So we have platforms like Facebook, Instagram, their social media platforms, but this would be also virtual. It'll be on a digital uh, reality and people would sign up and they would all interact with um, people on this, on this platform or this network. Right? So anyways, the reason why unconditional sharing, so 30% of your 100%, so three out of your 10 auras are cool, has to be shared, is important because there is a systematic deduction. So if you don't choose your peers, let's say I join and I don't choose it because I'm out of laziness or out of not being in touch with the philosophy of the platform, it will just be disappeared into thin air. So it was really important for us to really highlight this aspect of connecting with others in the community, not only for sharing, but for really human interaction. Because even in a niche community like Oracle, I think I personally meet new people all the time. So I think it was a matter of like, okay, so let's try to connect with others on this network too. So yeah. 
Um, now that we have the mechanisms, which are the same for Aura and FSM, I think it's a good point, Jonas, for us to discuss what is the difference? Why did we call it Aura? And why didn't we just take FSM, which is a philosophy, which is a mechanism, which is a platform, and just inject it into Oracle? Like copy-paste. Yeah. yeah. We could we could have we could have done that, but you know I think we had we did, it was it was circumstances, um, and so going back to you know BIEN twenty twenty um, we were like really hyped up like oh we're good to stay in the world with this, and then we came we came back to Oroville you know to we had a couple of meetings had a couple of workshops, and we realized that there needed to be some sort of reconceptualization for for and recontextualization you know for different communities because first of all right um the name fsm some people found quite difficult to understand um secondly some of the terms because it's a korean project right like google and some of all these they're pretty hard to pronounce yeah. of course people learn people got google a lot you know some people call it googles and whatnot and then even in the community, I think the, more, the main thing was that in Oroville, there was a resistance and a barrier because for us coming from, you know, the capitalist world, it felt like this was the solution. Like this is what the world, this is what the world has been waiting for. Yeah. And so we're going to deliver it to them. But in Oroville, where, you know, there's already a culture of sharing and Oroville is already working towards a cashless, you know, um, community based on, you know, the mother's teachings. Um, you know, here it was like, okay, we like this idea, but why do you have to put a, you know, why do you have to bring money back into it? Cause we've realized that <laughs> money is the problem. And so we're trying to, you know, just let go of money totally. And you're bringing us the solution that still has money in it. Yeah. And so I think that was where the biggest issue was. And so then we realized that, it's still something that the community needs because, of course, there's still more that Oroville can do. And there's still a lot that FSM can do in Oroville, but not in this particular state. And so then we needed to make a few changes. And so then maybe you can elaborate on, on that, on the, on the changes. For sure. I think, like Jonah said, um, we definitely needed to change up the language because language, like, you know, every country has its own language for a reason because every country has a different set of values and different set of attitudes. So I think the language really embodies that. I always bring this example when it comes to comparing more Western languages to, let's say, the Korean language. Korea, we say so we say our house, our mom, or come to my, we never say come to my house, no, you say so again, it's really like highlighting the collectivistic attitude in society, right? So anyways, I think um, for that reason alone, it, it made sense to contextualize the entire, let's say, language lingo of the platform to Oracle and hence Aura. It just it just sits right. People are familiar with it. Aura was an attempt, uh, like an alternative currency attempt by B, our previous guest. Um, it was actually a physical currency. It didn't, like, it wasn't adopted ultimately, but still we wanted to give that a rebirth because people were familiar with this, you know? Um, but for me, I think why, why Orville had a difficult time adopting FSM was because they're like, okay, everyone agrees that money has value. I'm not money, sorry. Poo or feces has value because we described it. We're like, okay, we can make this, this, this type of resources with feces if you put it into a right process, right? Nobody argued that because Orville, its agricultural sector has already 
experimented with compost toilets and creating value out of poo, right? But then they could not understand, okay, if there's no like high-tech toilet to turn the species into these different um, great resources, like why do we need to call it feces standard money? Because yes, we agree that feces is something that can be like useful. Nobody argues that. But then I think everyone got stuck on the toilet. Everyone is like, okay, Science Walden has come up with a quite high-tech toilet, which they do have at Science uh, at Science Cabin, which is their you know headquarters, so to speak. But it's not going to come to Oracle due to many technical reasons. It's hard to maintain. It's like I mean, just even the equipment alone might not be able to like be acquired in India. Etc. So I think that was the main reason. And like I remember, Jonas, we had so many questions about why, like, if there's no toilet, like, why, 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 right? So I think I want to highlight here with this um, the maybe philosophical difference when it comes to aura and um, feces standard money. I actually wrote this like a side by side column. So I would say again, um, cool is a uh, it's a unit of measure for FSM and circular basic income is the like aura for circular basic income right but the symbol of value for FSM is feces and I think everyone can agree so with the toilet or without the toilet it's a symbol like what their brand is what their value is is feces right I think Oracle we kind of zoomed out of that we weren't just only focusing on feces but more like all types of underutilized resources. So it wasn't, a, we didn't have one symbol of value like FSM, but rather we went under the assumption, okay, there is abundance. And what type of abundance we have, we need to kind of explore together as a community. So I think that's where the major philosophical um, discrepancies lie. What do you think, Jonas? Exactly, exactly. I think that was essentially it. Um, in Oroville, just because the whole issue with, they, they felt like, the toilet had to come in yeah. if it was going to be called feces standard money. Of course, in Science Warden, we did not, we did not feel that the toilets were supposed to always go together with it because we felt that people always knew the the benefit of feces, even if it's not generating energy from like a bio digester and a solid oxide <laughs> setup. You yeah. know, people know that you can use your feces to to plant. And so even if you're going to be growing one crop in your backyard with your feces, still <laughs> something that, you know, still has that value. And so for us, we always, we felt very strongly about that, that yeah. um, we wanted there to be, um, you know, that, that oneness and that wholeness of the concept. But of course, at the end of the day, we're trying to get to a place where people really rethink what money is. And I think at the end of the day, coming to Oroville and finding these, you know, sort of barriers and, and these obstacles also taught us a lot because then we understood that, okay, maybe we might not be able to take this everywhere as it is. <laughs> and so for sure, I think that is, that is definitely the main difference of, you know, or looking at abundance from, the, from just the concept of, you know, there's abundance everywhere. Yeah. And that the, anything you can give feeds into that concept of abundance. For and sure. for us, we're like, okay, feces, is that symbol of abundance of abundance and so oh, take that, you know and so take that and then run with it you know and so yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. those are definitely the the two differences yeah and i think it's also interesting to know that if you look at the fsm platform and the aura platform there was also a slight difference in the type of offerings that were put up 
right? So I think um, in the Korean, on the Korean platform, there were more, I think there was a heavier focus on like, um, on physical tangible goods, whether it be food or items. So items of various nature, right? Which is great because everyone has, I think, a certain surplus of something in their, on their shelves or in their shack. So it makes sense. I think in Orville, also interesting to see was there was a lot of human um, initiatives or human um, based talents or skills that people wanted to share, right? Whether it be um, going for walks together, that was one of it, going to the beach together, reading poems together, or so many different things, or just very human based interactions, which I thought also spoke volumes about Orville as a community because it is a small community of around 2,000 to 3,000 people, right? And and I think everyone in Orville is itching for a platform on which they can get to know others and just get together and do cool stuff. So you could really see that. So I think for me, when I started seeing the types of offerings coming up on the Aura platform, I saw, okay, you know what? The highlight of this platform is not necessarily exchange or transact like a bazaar. It's not that. I think the highlight is connect. Yeah. I mean, and then from connecting, I think the natural result is different type of actions like exchange, like transacting, right? So it was really interesting. Just even, okay, so getting to the timeline now of like the project, how it's developed over time. So we started with phase one. We'll really go into it really in like concise details because there's so much to say for each phase. But phase one was about going into the community. Okay, here is UBI. This is what UBI is. And this is FSM. And this is what FSM is trying to do. What do you think? So it it was a really um, presentation-based mode of like asking the community, okay, what do you think? And we got... um, we got some positive feedback, but I think like the majority of feedback tended to be negative because they really were had this negative knee-jerk reaction from the term money. They're like, no, we don't want money. The mother said that we don't want, like she wants a moneyless or cashless society. But either way, we uh, bit down our teeth and we thought, okay, you know what? We have to still continue because change didn't happen overnight and people are never open to change. It's not only Oracle or every different society on earth. I think it's all about um, packaging or refining the concept so that it resonates with people, no matter how good the idea is, because nobody is going to argue that this platform is going to do good. Nobody. But you need to refine it in such a way that people take it in, right? So that's what we did um, during phase two, because phase mm-hmm. two, by the end of it, we wanted to launch the Aura platform. Um, so we would have made the aesthetic changes, like the name changes and the logo changes, and then we would have the better version given to us from the Science Walden team, because this was going on parallel in Korea. And we did a lot of community-wide, um, community-targeted like field activities. So we held a lot of different workshops, most notably the Unfolder Skills, which was really trying to foster this idea of giving more than taking. Right. So like giving more back to the community, then instead of thinking, oh, Oracle needs to give me this, Oracle needs to give me that. We're like, no, we are all a bunch of people that have a lot of talent, that have a lot of skill sets. Why can't we learn to share that with each other? Right. So we did those workshops and then just we did a lot of different things. And ultimately, we had the OraFest at the end of the year to just launch the platform. And OraFest, do you want to describe what OraFest was a little bit, Jonas? Uh, so yeah, I think RFS was basically a real-time simulation of the of the in the Aura platform, and so basically that day, what we planned to do was to get people a feel for how the platform would actually be once yeah. launched. And so that day, we had actual like paper money that we printed out, and so everybody who came in got to receive some amount of that money that they could yeah, like ten physical note Auras at the entrance. 
that they could go in and spend. And so, you know, it was really great. And then they could also share, just like how we do on a platform, you have to share with, you know, three other people. And so you'd have to go in and find three other people to share with. And it was really great to see how people really took that on and went in and shared. And then people also had spaces where they could offer, you know, something, or they could also sort of access some offerings from other people. And so people would be offering smiles for a couple of aura, for sure. be offering hugs for a couple of aura. And it was, it was a really, really great feeling to see this materialize in real form. Because sometimes when you're working on projects like this, and it's always like, you want to see it happen. And when <laughs> I get people on the platform, like, when are we going to launch? Yes. But this, it really showed us the potential. And it was really beautiful to see how the people really, em- I think we had like 500 more than yeah, that. like definitely a few hundred for sure. Um, which, was, which was great because I didn't expect I didn't expect that at all. For me, me I was either. like, oh, are people coming? Are people coming? <laughs> I thought it was going to be fifty people talks, and I was like, okay, was, thank you, everyone, for coming. It was, it was really beautiful. It was. It was. Really and so, just to add a little detail to the process was so you get the ten physical auras, you enter, you have to share it with others, and then you have a special booth which is called the offering space. So you have like this sticky note, right, and you write down the things that you want to offer and value it in auras. Of course, when it's like a real time exchange and you don't really have time to prepare your offerings, it's much more like you know I'll give you a joke or I'll give you a massage or I'll give you this and that. But there was so much of that interaction, so much laughter and joy, especially from little kids. Kids had a ball. Oh, they yeah. got so creative with it. I mean, I think there's the kids are the most thrifty. Like yeah. honestly, yeah, they they definitely were were very thrifty with it. I mean, exactly. it, it went against the whole idea, but still, it was it was great to have them come in and still for sure. I think like the kids are the hope um, to any future generations and honestly they just constantly remind us to take things lightheartedly and have fun with it because I think even with us at a certain point we got to the uh, we got to a point where we realized like this is not fun anymore like all this creativity and aspiration inspiration it was like dissipating by every second we're just like getting drained and I think Aura Fest for both of us I speak on our behalf I I felt like, okay, you know what? This is fun. Like this has some real potential to bring people together. Yeah. So what happened was we launched and we had the better version, but there were certain like bugs, not bugs, but let's say missing features. For example, we, we didn't manage to create a notification system. So let's say when somebody booked an offering on the Aura platform, right? We did a notification wasn't sent to that person, to the actual receiver or to the offerer. So then we had the situation where the cycle of offering was not complete, right? So because people are not going to log on to this platform every day, every hour being like, Oh, is anybody taking my offering? You need to have a notification system for that. So there was definitely a, uh, a, uh, a halt, so to speak, in like usage and adoption. And then what happened, <laughs> what, that, what happened, Jonas, to the world? Uh, I mean, you know, Corona hit. <laughs> <laughs> corona! <laughs> COVID-19. COVID-19. Uh, the most talked about topic. Yeah. I'm so glad we went half an hour without talking about Corona at all. This is a, this is a, this is I mean, a. I, it almost came up though. I was like, no, let me just leave that. <laughs> thank you for like, uh, thank you for stopping that urge. Um, but yeah, so we had a little break between the months of February and March. Also, we took some time off in January and now we're back at it and we have a new roster of team. So we have more tech based people. So we have people working on graphic design, UX, um, user interface and UI 
um, um, designer as well as an app developer who are all in Oracle. I think this is really important to mention because, of course, when you're looking for tech people, you really want to gravitate to these big cities because there are people who are so experienced in these fields. But we wanted to make sure there were people in Oracle who really wanted it for the community. So shout out to Shitej, Rebu, and Rima. They're three wonderful people that are so invested in this project and to bring something like this to the community. And honestly, they've been a source of inspiration to me since I began because every time I talk to them, I ask them, are you going to stay on long enough? Because like, if you leave after two months, like this is not good. Like I, I can't do this alone. Uh, and they're like, no, but we want to see this. Like We're in it for the long haul. So I really I want to uh, thank them for that. So now what we're going to do is we've made some necessary changes to the current platform. And so that's functional. So we're going to uh, send out an announcement to the user base. And the second step is like uh, in the coming months over the summer, not, not, given the restrictions and the lockdown period, we're going to have a lot of time to work in parallel uh, on a newer and more improved platform. So we're going to give it the domain. It's quite a catchy domain. I'm proud of it. Aura network.app. So I thought it was cool. Uh, we're going to be working on that. And hopefully we will have a good version by August. So that's the plan. And then we launch it in August again. And uh, then the next two, three months we'll be spending on like, you know, obviously communi uh, communicating to, um, to the members and saying, okay, there's a new app out there. So yeah, so that is what we're doing. But I want to ask you, Jonas, what you think of the term social sharing network? Because this is what we're trying to really focus on phase three, right? We want to incorporate social element as well as a sharing element so what like as a person who hears it for the first time like what do you think of it what do you make of it i mean i i think essentially this is this is supposed to be the the evolution of of social networks i think wow. what, what we, we have the word evolution <laughs> i think i think that's what essentially it's going to get to because now what we're taking is now we have a lot of social you know networks like you have yeah. instagram People are just sharing, you know, photos. Some people get to monetize, not everybody, you know. But I think this takes bits and pieces of all these other ideas of, you know, our need, the human need for connection and for, you know, community. And now tries to put in, you know, this idea of, of money and of exchange and of, you know, connection. But then I think what, what this looks at is more like, how can we still be able to change how people are thinking about community and how we're sharing with each other but then in a more fun way it's not as you know because i think the old platform even though it was great it was still very it was still very rigid you know yeah. in a sense because it was like just come on put something on and then you know share it with somebody else and then share some money with them but i think what it's missing now just because of how the world has progressed and how we're really you know hooked on to the whole idea of social media by taking these you know little aspects of social media that really gets us to be so you know focused and so committed and you know so engaged and then now building on top of that this idea of community and being able to share with each other and being able to you know create a better welfare system and being able to you know just help all of us improve i think that would be like a, a bomb platform i personally For sure. think it's, going it's to be really like, like you said like it's an evolution it's definitely a hybrid of two things right because social media is something that's very well established and then you have also well established online bazaars like ebay obviously craigslist and you have fiverr which is a very interesting example it's for human resources and human skills yeah. right people are not selling like items on fiverr but they're people graphic designers coders um like um poets 
God knows what, they offer their services on Fiverr. Mm-hmm. So then you have like on both sides, on both columns, you have very well-established models. But we mm-hmm. are yet to see a hybrid in between where people come on this platform, A, to connect with people, but B, to not like sell stuff because selling has this connotation you want it for, um, you want it for monetary gain. And yes, you do get a monetary gain because you do offer an auras and you do earn auras, but it's not for the sole purpose of like, oh, we want to sell because we want to earn, but more like, okay, we want to offer you and hopefully that covers a very useful need for you. And on top of that, I also get certain auras with which I can cover other needs. So I think there is a very distinction. There is like, of course, it is still the selling and earning, but with a more collective and more, not altruistic, but more human approach in my opinion. So yeah. Um, But I really wonder in my, I just wonder, I've seen over the years working in tech and working in this very fast paced environment, so many good ideas coming to place, you know, and you have talented people all over the world and they come up with very good apps, very good um, websites and they flop in the end, like they're not adopted. And ultimately the goal of any platform, right? Any app is to provide uh, convenience and comfort to the users of real value and by default then a network, right? Cause you have a network of users. So what do you think could be, so to speak, the major hindrance to the social sharing network, AKA or a platform like taking off? I mean, there are usually why startups fail. There's like a myriad of reasons why startups <laughs> One of the biggest is timing. I think that's like one of the biggest issues yes. because sometimes some ideas are great, but they're way ahead of their time, you know? Yes. And I think that's... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and I think, you know, looking at the times now, right? Now we could probably talk about Corona because looking yeah. at the times now, right? It seems that there is definitely a need for, you know, something different. A need to think about the system that we've built because we can see how so many countries have suffered from, you know, the economic collapse that Corona has brought. America, yeah. Ghana, like Corona knows, no, it doesn't know your <laughs> No discrimination. No it's honestly like a very modern it's, citizen. It's, it's like, yeah, that's what, that's what it is. And so I think at this point, people are really starting to look around and ask if we've actually been doing this wrong the whole time. You know, do we need more community? Is, it, is this a time for us to be more collective? Is this the time for us to look out for each other? And so I think for sure, timing is very, very important. And yeah. these times, call for, you know, measures like the oral platform, you know, that is going to provide a means for people to still be able to stay afloat. Because imagine if, you know, like this platform <laughs> was was working, you know, was was up and running around this time when people are losing their jobs, yeah. you know, when people can afford to, you know, feed their kids. It would have been a really, it would have been a great lifeline, you know, for, for so many more around the world. And then I think, and so I think it's, it's, it's definitely, definitely um, something that's needed at this point. And I don't think it's failing. For, I yeah. mean, just because I'm a supporter and I feel really good about it. So, yeah. I agree with you. The reason why I chuckled when you mentioned this whole like timing thing was because I just got transported back in time and I was doing a presentation at one of the Orville schools and uh, one of the teachers said, I don't want to do an accent because I don't want to impersonate people, but let's say the teacher was like, yes, we tried this out in the Soviet Union 
uh, we tried something oh. out like this. <laughs> and yeah. I honestly had to laugh because first of all, was there like, was there a, from a technological perspective, was it possible? Did they even have internet back then? And anyway, so I just thought it was so funny. Um, and I couldn't agree with you more. There's this wonderful word in German called Zeitgeist directly translated, it speaks about the soul of a certain time, you know, it, like a spirit of a certain time. And I think personally for me, we got into UBI quite late. I mean, it wasn't like something we researched early on in our academic careers. It's something towards the end for both of us. So we went, we went to the BIN Congress. We're like, wow, this has been around for a while. There's been researchers and activists working on this for decades, not like five years, 10 years. They're like, they're, they've been on the block for a while. Yeah, and for yeah. us to come, the guy standing. <laughs> yeah, guys. <laughs> so, so for us as like newbies and amateurs to come to the scene, and then the next year, Corona happens. Like honestly, I I don't want to say I'm happy Corona happened. I would never say that because people are suffering. There's a lot of public anxiety and fear, and nobody should ever humanity should never be living off fear anxiety. But what I will say is. COVID-19, the outbreak, outbreak thereof, has forced us all to really question these very well-established systems, namely the economic system. What is money? Why do some people have so much money? They have helicopter pads and mansions, while other people are living on the floor, on dirt, dirt floors in a key. It's something that you don't necessarily question unless you're the one suffering, right? Mm -hmm. So I think what's interesting, living in a developed country like Germany, which is one of, so to speak, one of the most developed countries even in the EU, you read things at a distance. So when you're reading current affairs, you're like reading the terrible things that are happening in Ghana, terrible corruption, that hunger. I mean, you know, there's the whole joke on African hunger, you know? Whenever you're not finishing your play, you're like, oh, there are kids in Africa dying, right? But then... Everyone reads it. People are very well informed in Europe as a whole, but they, it's always at a distance because they're not suffering. They're not the one losing. They're not the ones without a job thinking about tomorrow, how am I going to feed my kids? So for the first time in a long time, these Western countries that have been so prosperous for a long time or like prosperous, like with certain limitations, they're being forced to question, oh my God, like I feel the pain. I feel the suffering. Um, and I think that's one of the main reasons why this, like this, um, this tight kite is really going to carry this platform forward. So for that, I, I really, I, I honestly feel very blessed to be part of this research and this entire project at this point in modern history. This is going to be something that kids, our future kids are going to talk about, you know? So in the history classroom, probably it'll be all digital. They'll have like digital classrooms with like holograms and whatnot. So they're going to be like, in 2020, there was... <laughs> so it's going to be one of those things. So I'm so glad that um, we are part of this. So yeah, one thing I also wanted to ask, it was a very interesting question. So one of my friends is visiting right now. So I was talking to him about the platform and just the mechanism of the Aura, FSM, everything. And he brought up a very interesting point. He said... Don't you think that something of this nature, as great and innovative as it is, is only functional or successful in a closed loop? Closed loop meaning as like a very small community. Because the way he explained it is, okay, so in a closed community, it makes sense because you're so idealistic and you're very collective, right? But let's say you step out into a city, into a big city like Berlin, London, all the metropolitan cities. And if you could offer two, two, on two platforms, one on the Aura platform and one on the normal economic market, and on the economic market, you can earn 
a certain month, like a certain type of money, aka fiat money, that will give you access to so many other things. As opposed to on the Aura platform, you earn auras, or on FSM, you earn gold, and you, it's only exclusive to this network, right? So he said, in the long scale, how, what's going to incentivize them when you're part of a much larger network or a much larger space? to like go for, for our more altruistic or collective uh, platform. So what do you think about that, Jonas? Well, I mean, I think, I think those, are, those are very difficult questions to, to answer because essentially we don't know. Um, <laughs> but what we do know, right, is that there's a need for this. Now, to, of course, once people are okay offering in a small, tight-knit you know, group in a niche group, then it means there is a possibility that because of course, imagine like we're not, we, we weren't friends, but then we met and at some point we became friends. Yeah. And so I think for us, that's why the whole, it's not like, oh, there's a solution that we're, we, we're trying to go dig up from someplace. It's like, this is what we're trying to use to bring, you know, these changes that we want to see. Because if the changes were somewhere that we could have just brought on, we would have, but then <laughs> we're, we're really trying to use these ideas of Aura and FSM to look at how through exchange and through these connections, right, as people constantly practice because you become by, you know, by practicing and by doing. And yes. so we want to, to use this as a, even if it's in a tight, small niche network and it's just between you and your kids at home and you even start <laughs> using Aura, you know, it doesn't like you, you can still do stuff because I think that's one of the, the main things of like, how there's a there's some areas of our lives that we think that we cannot use money for like you can't pay your mom to for for feeding you it feels it feels kind of weird but you can always you know show gratitude with aura you know it's like <laughs> mom I, i'm giving you 10 auras for for the food being so good it's for this roast chicken it's so good it's, you know i would send hj some aura just for giving me you know hedgehog some aura for giving me good roast i'm not paying her because, you know, the, the aura comes from a different place. You know, it doesn't yes. come from the same place yes. as, you know, as regular money that you have to go work for. <laughs> and so I think, I think that's what people. we're trying. For sure. You no. know, so that's what we're trying to do, to look at how we can use um, these or complementary currencies to start to get people to think different about money. Yeah. And so they can expand, you know, their, their, their horizons and not see somebody in another part of the city as the other, but, you know, as, as one. Yes, know. I couldn't agree more. Um, like Jonas, honestly, trying. always think this guy is such an entertainer for everyone watching. He is just <laughs> such a funny guy. But the reason why I mentioned this entire idea, like, okay, in terms of the scope, right, can it ever go global? The reason why I brought this up even very early on in the project, because it hasn't even gone global. So why are we... Yeah talking about regional or national or global it's because you always when you're driving you need to know like even let's say when you're driving from west coast to east coast you need to know you're going to east coast right yeah. of course in between you're going to have so many different cities and towns you're passing through right and you're going to sleep um, in some of these cities and you're going to rest there and it's going to take time but you need to always have a global vision and i think that's the reason because professor cho and the whole science world team they really do perceive this to be something that could be of global nature that network points each that has been each with its own contextualization and different aesthetics and lingo can have access points around the world right and thereby and the more access points no matter how local and how, no matter how niche the more it grows it 
kind of networks, that's how it grows, right? You have one network and then there's another network and then there are more network and then that's how it grows. It's that's how I feel like anything in life gets spread. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just to add to that, I think for sure, just so other people, you know, the way the platforms were, were you know, thought of was that everybody in one local, you know, like access point can still go to some other places to, and still use via Auros. And so it doesn't matter if you're in Korea exactly. or you're in Oroville yeah. or you're, you're wherever, you can still move to another place. And so then you can even be able to access intangible goods, you know, like intangible services. Like I can yeah. be here and get Danby to proofread my, my <laughs> thesis for me in Germany because, you know. Yeah. Yeah, sure. because you can. So that's, I think just that idea really is very powerful and looking at it and having this vision and the hope that we can build this together is, is, is really. For sure. And I also want to like, cause I kept on shouting playful before, sorry for interjecting, but it was uh, with the hopes of highlighting that this currency, this new virtual currency, it really gives a lot of room to, for, like to play around because it's so unconditionally received right? You don't have this, like, this pressure to earn more of it or this pressure to be like, oh, like, without it, I can't survive, right? Because it's unconditional. That allows, so for example, a funny example, when we're in Oracle, we were putting things up with, like, the beta version or, like, the platform just had launched. We're like, okay, Jonas, we got to get on it. We got to walk the walk now, you know? We've been talking the talk. So we put a couple of different things up, things that we brought from our respective countries. And he put something for uh, 20, or it was like an entire bathroom set. You have the soap dispenser, you have the soap holder. I mean, it's the shebang. And meanwhile, I'm putting a packet of Haribo, so gummy bear sweets, for the same amount of auras. And I'm like, Jonas, why do you have to do, why do you have to do me like that? <laughs> well, what was, but what was wonderful about that was, why not? Everyone... Yeah. I don't think anyone will ever be so scrutinized for valuing their offering because it's such a subjective process what value is. Me, I value my iPhone less than a tin box I've had since a kid. There's this tin box that I have. It has all my very, just, I don't know, just these very essential little things that I grew up with. So that tin box, if it were to disappear, I would cry. If my phone disappeared, I'd be like, oh my God, now I have to spend X and X money to buy it. So it's just a dread feeling, but it's not actual of sentimental value, right? So my point is, Subjective valuation is very important and to give people the freedom to do that. So whether you um, value your offering, the, uh, the bathroom set for 20 euros and my hari, me, my hari goes for 20 euros, uh, 20 euros, it's fine. I think everyone should have that freedom. So again, it's just this playful playground, getting back to the beginning of what we said of us being more like kids, being curious, being open. So that's, I think, what Aura platform is trying to achieve. And so, people got all your all your hire boots. It was it 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 was really hard for me to find someone to buy. Because <laughs> I know what the people want, Jonas. I know what the people want. Um, okay, so we're gonna conclude very soon. I want to mention one thing. Um, in each of these episodes, I'm going to try to incorporate things from my daily life, things that I've read, things that I've like heard over a podcast or reading whatnot. And I was listening to a podcast the other day and the host was diving deep into the concept of loneliness. And what's so interesting, she described loneliness as something that you can get immune to. So in the sense that there are a lot of introverted people who are like, oh, COVID-19 lockdown, that's easy peasy lemon squeezy for me. But it's so interesting. She, des <laughs> she described loneliness as something that you can get so used to. But the human beings all at the core, because you come from another human being physically, you're born of, from another human being, everyone has a 
desire, that very intrinsic and such natural desire to connect with others. But others are, they get immune. You know, like some people eat spicy food, even though it's not good for them because they're so immune to it. So they don't feel the acid reflux and they don't feel the burn because the body got so accustomed to it. And so loneliness is from a mental and more sociological perspective that like that immunity. So it's really important to people to give people the access to a platform that's not only superficial because if you have social media, it tends to be very superficial because it's based on likes and like instant gratification, instant validation. But if you, on top of that, put this sharing and actual physical interactions, because a lot of these offerings, right, are going to be require face-to-face interaction. We now have an additional layer, right? So we're not only doing the superficial um, how do you say um, instant gratification, but more so we're like, okay, we're going to get to know this person. We're not just going to at, um, at distance glamorize or really admire this person and their profile. We're going to actually interact with them and see who she or she is about. So just to wrap this up and say that loneliness is something that everyone deals with. And we really hope that this platform is something that can bring people together to share, to really help each other. And that's, I think, honestly, the only hope that Jonas and I have coming into this. Even as young people who are quite clueless in the beginning, we are still quite clueless a lot about how this is all going to play out, but we are still, um, we're keeping strong. We're keeping strong. So we want to wrap up by saying thank you, because I think it's very important to express verbally your gratitude. So thank you to Professor Cho, to Dr. Chai Kim, to Dr. Mijin Che, as as well as all the other uh, team members at Science Walden for their guidance and continued support. This project continues to be supported by Science Walden, which is supported and funded through the National Research Fund of Korea. So in a way, we have to extend our gratitude to to Korea as a country. Thank you, Korea. Very proud to be from Korea these days. And of course, we want to also extend our gratitude and appreciation to the Orville community members who supported us from day one, to our wonderful team, uh, everyone part of this team. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. I really, really, really appreciate all, all your efforts to just question and give us feedback. So we're always open ears to whatever you have to share. Jonas, do you want to add anything? Um, well, I think that should be it. (laughs) Perfect. So we're going to plug in. Well, I think, I think I definitely, um, want to say a huge thank you to the science audit team as well for, for their understanding. I think it wasn't, it wasn't easy, um, moving forward with the project because there there were a lot of times when, you know, both sides had to figure out if that was the right direction. But of course, if you want to make change, sometimes you have to, you have to make take the hard decisions and you know sure. I think the project getting here took a lot from both sides from Oroville and from Science Warden and I'm really thankful for you know Oroville and Science Warden for how, how I agree um, one of the beautiful most beautiful metaphors I've ever heard about human conflict is the following I think my mother shout out to HJ Heijong again um, she said this to me once she said Human beings, when there's conflict, it's like rocks in like this tumbling machine, right? Like rocks with really rough edges. So it hurts when you crash, but it makes a lot of bangs and noises. But through that like constant tumbling process, these rocks get refined. And that's how a lot of rocks uh, or like stones are polished. So that was really interesting. So for me, sometimes, even if I have conflict within the team or, you know, with other teams, I always think, wow, I'm learning a lot through this. And so is the other person. So I really see it as uh, as that. So we are just going to take uh, 30 seconds to plug in our social media accounts right now. So please follow us on Instagram at aura.oraville. And we're going to also have a Facebook. 
And um, I'm not sure if that's set up yet, but we'll definitely put it in the description. And yes, thank you everyone for tuning in. We always say yep. chat for now. So one, two, three, chat for now, Jonas. <laughs> okay, uno, dos, tres. Aura, the value we create together. together.